粤语白白讲播客节目，白国荣、白文杰同你论尽粤语语言及流行文化，齐齐白白讲。This is Chatty Cantonese, where we chat about all things related to learning and teaching Cantonese, with a little bit of pop culture thrown in. 大家随时可以到我哋嘅网站 chattycantonese.com 揾到所有对话嘅文本同埋英文翻译。As always, you can find transcriptions of our conversations on our website, chattycantonese.com, as well as English translations. 今日我哋会继续同作家及画家刘宝珠讨论学习粤语嘅经验。如果你尚未听访问嘅前半部，记得听翻上一集嘅内容啊。Today features the second part of our conversation with author and artist Pearl Low. About their experience learning Cantonese as their heritage language. If you didn't get a chance to hear the first part, make sure to check out the previous episode. I'm also curious about sort of if you've found that there's common myths, whether they're related to Cantonese as a language or also Cantonese culture in general, that you've found you've had to dispel or engage with、uh, at different points. 咁你学开始学广东话之后，会唔会发现到啦？有啲人对于广东话嘅一啲嘅误解啦，咁啊，同埋系啦，你会唔会有啲心得都想分享下 ？One myth that I really want to just like eradicate <laughs> is that Cantonese is useless and that the culture is fading. I think that people don't realize how many people speak Cantonese globally. I think that a lot of people start thinking about Mandarin, you know, as The most popular language spoken, but when you turn to look at how many people speak Cantonese, that number is huge. Like globally, that's huge,、um, and a lot of people、um, continue to practice what you know traditions that they have for Cantonese culture wherever they are at on the daily. And I think that it's for, from a North American perspective、um, and from a Vancouver perspective. I think a lot of us were also told that it's useless and told that the culture is fading because. Efforts to you know assimilate children who are the kids of immigrants and trying to have an easier life and all that kind of stuff. I feel like those lies were told to us in a way, like to protect us. But I think that a lot of people have kind of internalized that and have believed it to be like fact and you know true when it's not. And I think that I really want people to to start thinking about. How alive the culture is, and how worth continuing to innovate, to preserve, and engage with our Cantonese culture.、Um, how important that is. But yeah, that's that's one big myth that I would like to to kind of squash. <laughs> On the flip side, we're also curious what joys you've found in studying Cantonese, particularly in terms of pop culture and media, as that's something that we talk about on this podcast a lot. 你可唔可以講下你學廣東話裏誒呢個過程裏面揾到嘅一啲嘅樂趣，或者你好感興趣嘅媒體啦？好似誒同流行文化有關嘅一啲嘅資源咧，對可以幫助到你學呢個廣東話咧。I think that some of the some of the joys that I've experienced from learning Cantonese has been.、Um, Yes, enjoying Hong Kong movies, being able to understand on a more nuanced level when I watch movies, and being able to even tap into my own、um, histories a little bit deeper. I come from,、um, or my 
mom and her parents come from uh, a village called Sundak. I think in Mandarin it's Shunde. I don't know how to say that properly, <laughs> but it's near Foshan and it's a Chinese village, um, really big now, I think. But um, they have a certain type of dialect that they use and learning Cantonese and comparing Hong Kong standard Cantonese and Cantonese that was spoken by my grandparents has been really cool because I get to learn about them, uh, my grandparents and where they come from and why they use certain words the way they do and the little changes that they do to, to convey a certain type of message versus what people maybe in Hong Kong may say. So I feel like that has been a really big joy for me. And I think that as well, like learning Cantonese um, now as an adult has been more of a joyful experience for me than I have ever experienced because I've gotten to reframe learning Cantonese for myself. I think before there was a lot of pressure to try to speak properly and be this like proper CBC where you know Cantonese fluently and you know English and you can navigate both worlds like simultaneously without any effort. But I think that now learning in perhaps a messy way, uncoordinated way, I found other people who are also in the same position as myself and I'm learning I'm not alone and we're finding strength within each other to kind of learn in ways that are now healthy for us without the pressure and without the attached shame. And that's been bringing me a lot of joy. On that note of finding people in a similar position to yourself, you've done a lot of posting on social media regarding your experience with Cantonese and it's elicited a lot of positive feedback. Could you share a little bit about which platforms have been the most responsive and also what it's been like getting these different reactions? Yeah, I think Twitter and Reddit have been the two platforms that I've been the most excited to see, um, like see people responding to my content on Twitter, just because I have a bigger following um, has been nice because I've been able to literally put out questions and people answer in like this huge thread. And with Reddit, the same thing. Um, with Reddit, I've been able to meet people also from mainland China. Um, someone messaged me recently, actually, that they were from the same village um, my grandparents were from. And they're like, any question you want to ask me, like, please feel free. And I was so excited about that. Like, I would have never thought I could connect with somebody from a specific region like that um, without Reddit. And on Twitter, I feel like Twitter has um, the huge capacity to, to carry out something and give it momentum. Um, and I think that I made a post recently about all these different types of resources that I've been using to learn Cantonese and just being able to have conversations from that thread about, oh, wow, I didn't know this existed. Or thank you so much for giving me this kind of link because I want to be teaching my children this and just hearing different people's stories again on the storytelling kind of perspective and seeing where people are at and where they want to be with the language and having just this open-minded kind of space for learning. Whereas again, back when I was younger, I feel like it was very rigid and it was either, okay, I can ask a question. If I don't get it right away, then it's like, oh, you don't know or something like that. But on Twitter, I feel like because there are a lot more people my age too, and we're all, you know, kind of grown at this point and 
we're all kind of more patient with the process of learning um, or relearning our heritage language. And that's been really cool to see specifically that come out of Twitter and Reddit for me. I'm interested in what you just said about patience that you found both you and your your peers uh, in terms of studying Cantonese versus studying Cantonese at an earlier time when there might have been certain expectations or standards of what an ideal Cantonese speaker might be like, whether in the home or at Chinese school. And it seems like as an adult, now you have a little bit more freedom and you found a way, this patience to do it your own way. What might you say to someone who's earlier on in their journey with Cantonese, particularly a younger person who might be learning it as their heritage language? Are there strategies for developing the sort of patience that you mentioned or dealing with the uh, challenges that come with studying a heritage language? Uh one of the things that was probably the most frustrating as a kid trying to connect, trying to intentionally connect to um, my heritage language was like the lack of language that I had to articulate. I want to learn this and I don't have proficiency in the ways that you want me to have proficiency, but please have patience with me when trying when I'm trying to ask these questions from you. I think when you're a kid, you don't really know how to, how to say that in a way. You just ask the question, you get denied and you're like, okay, I guess mom, dad doesn't want to do it or, you know, grandparents don't feel like talking. So I guess for, for younger folks, I would, if, if you can um, articulate what I just said in ways that feel good for you, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if, how can I say? Sometimes with parent relationships, sometimes you don't think you can be as honest and open about wanting to to receive something from them in a specific way. You know, it's basically kind of like a love language thing. Like, hey, like I need you to love me in a certain type of way. I would like you to teach me in a certain type of way because that's how I receive it. Not all parents can meet you there. I think that if you have, if I were like, you know, like thirteen year old me, like I would practice like writing out a sentence, being like. Hey mom, I really want to learn Cantonese. Could you please like actually like write out something, a clear sentence and practicing that to my parent to see how they would respond. Sometimes you get a positive response and they're surprised that, you know, you would even want to go as deep as you do with language learning. Um, Cause I think a lot of times like parents are like, Oh no, no, it's too much work. Or like, you know, grandparents are like, Oh, you don't really want to learn. But if you like genuinely Kind of articulate yourself in that way maybe it surprises them like oh you're actually serious about this okay let's try it's hard when you're young um but i would also say that the internet is there that's really useful and your friends too because sometimes even if you both have broken uh knees, you can still put pieces together and you know fill in the gaps where maybe you know someone else has like 
no knowledge of like a certain type of vocabulary and you do. And I think that leaning into friendship when you can't um, rely on family in a sense um, when you're young is, is really helpful. I wish I, I wish I knew that because I feel like I could have asked a lot of my friends. I feel like I had some really fluent speaking friends in Cantonese um, when I was a kid, but I never asked them to, to help me or to, you know, speak with me just because I, I guess I just didn't think that they would be interested, but how would you know if you never ask? So I think that just asking is really helpful um, in an honest way. That sounds like wonderful advice, and I bet there are people listening who will get something out of that. For our final question, Raymond and I like to do something that also will get bounced back at us. So uh, don't worry, you're not alone here. What are your favorite resources right now for studying Cantonese that other people might be able to access themselves? Yes, I have a few. My most favorite one, I don't have an iPhone, so um, take that into account. I think this is an Android app only. Um, but Han Ping Cantonese is so useful. It's spelled H-A-N-P-I-N-G, Han Ping Cantonese. Absolutely love that app. Its interface is cute. <laughs> it's nice and purple. I feel like it's very uh, user-friendly. Uh, they also have another app called, um, I think it's like, Chinese reader, Hanping Chinese reader. And it's an app that you could literally, it has to be typed out text because handwriting doesn't really register, but you take a photo of whatever Chinese text that you cannot read or you want to know more about, and it will translate it into Chinese characters digitally with the ping underneath it, with the tones and each character, um, it's also color coded. So for like tone one, it's like pink or something, tone two, it's green, et cetera, et cetera. So um, even if you don't want to um, know the ping, you could just take a photo of the of the picture and it'll be all color coded and you could read it if you memorize the colors and how they correspond to the certain tone. You could read the text with the proper intonation. And I thought that was so cool. They're both purchased apps, but it's a worthy investment. They're less than $12 each, I think. So highly recommend both those apps uh, for phones, uh, Android phones. <laughs> Hopefully it comes to iPhone. Um, and the second resource I really like is uh, Reddit. And it's the Cantonese page, r backslash, backslash Cantonese. And that's where I've been able to ask so many questions about you know certain grammar rules. People talk about different Discord servers too. They're like, hey, we have a Discord server. Would you like to join? It's about language learning. And I only found that by being on the Reddit page. Um, so that's very useful. And I would also say uh, YouTube has been a really good resource. Two teachers in particular have been really nice for me. Um, Learn Cantonese with Winnie is really great. She does really short videos, max five minutes. Usually they're about two to three minutes. And she talks about a grammatical rule or vocab, breaks it down, and then video's over. So it's very digestible. Um, and she speaks in a really great voice. It's not like harsh or anything. I love it. Um, so I recommend Cantonese with Winnie. Um, and uh, Cantonese with Brittany is also great. <laughs> she also does videos very similarly to that. So Cantonese with Winnie and Cantonese with Brittany. Um, and um, one last resource I would recommend is, oh, sorry, to go back to the apps for folks who do have iPhones, uh, Pleco, P L. 
E-C-O. Pleco is really useful um, as well as also a dictionary app. I think it's free. Um, and I would, yeah, I would use that. Um, I was going to say my last recommendation and I think I forgot. I think there's one called five minutes, five minute Cantonese with Amanda, uh, on YouTube. And she's really great. Cause she also does the same thing. Five minute videos, really digestible. I think she's from Hong Kong. Um, and yeah, she teaches it in a really, really fun way. Those are awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe one more um, resource to add is your huge thread of Cantonese resource on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely want to find a way to make that more organized and more accessible for folks who don't go on Twitter. Um, because on my thread, of my Cantonese thread, which I haven't pinned to my account, so it's only when I retweet it too, so the visibility is not always there. But um, I do have like different dictionaries listed, different podcasts listed, um, different channels I like to listen to on, on YouTube, like ASMR in Cantonese, you know, different game shows, all that kind of stuff. I think one big thing if you're trying to um, find Cantonese content is try to swap out your English content for Cantonese content to try to give yourself a more immerse, uh, immersive uh, environment. So if you're trying to watch a show that you like a game show, try finding a Cantonese game show. For myself, I like ASMR videos. I try finding Cantonese ASMR um, ASMR artists um, to watch. So swapping uh, those things in and out um, can be great. That's yeah. No, I think that's great, and we'll definitely we'll link to that tweet in the uh, in the show notes because I think it's it's an awesome thread. Not only because of what you share, but it also is what you mentioned earlier is seeing everyone else's reaction. I think is part of the the joy of reading that thread. Um. Yeah, Raymond, what's your what's your pick for this week? Okay, um, this might come as a surprise, like to 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 some of my students actually when when they uh, when they heard me share this. So my recommendation it's uh, it's a group of like Hong Kong rappers that I I I've been listening to. Um, so I listed a few. Um, the one I the ones I like include like JB Twenty Four Herbs, Matt Force, Tyson Yoshi, and I think many uh, actually many people uh, have heard of MC Jin. He's a like a like a last generation of of uh, hip hop artist like he rapped in in Cantonese, and there's one this uh, amazing phenomenon uh, recently. There's one song when uh, it's going viral right now. It's by two artists, MC Soho and Kid Nay. And you can go to YouTube and listen to their songs. Their songs, the lyrics actually are very, very simple. And um, this song is called Hai Gam Sin Lam. And I got inspired by this song because basically the song is about saying goodbyes. But when you read from the textbooks, you learn from the teachers, they never teach you. They always teach you, oh, joy gin, bye-bye. They never teach the actual the common ways of saying goodbyes. Actually, that's it for now. That's the one that I actually we would say at parties. So that song, they use like all these kind of like very common and more down to earth ways of saying like that, like bidding farewell. So other common sayings. I think this is this kind of reminds us, um, yeah, using pop culture in in teaching and uh, a lot of times the language that we're using is very different from the textbook language. So this is what I want to share. Cameron, it's your turn. So I'll, I'll add another sort of 
digital thing, um, but I'll have to put the caveat. I know how to do this with iOS. I think you can do it with Android. I'm not totally sure. But with voice input, I actually find it's a really great way to practice speaking. So doing text-to-speech. So in iOS, if you set one of your keyboards to Chinese parentheses Hong Kong, and then if you do press to do the microphone voice-to-text input, if you're like in Notes app or any other app, it'll actually do voice-to-speech for Cantonese. And you have to be really good. It sort of forces you to really practice your pronunciation. Um, And so I've actually found that to be really great sometimes for practicing long strings of words or also just sometimes because doing different forms of input of with Cantonese on the computer sometimes doesn't always work especially if you're doing like a Mandarin pinion keyboard so actually doing voice text speech I find is a great way for actually if you want to try and write or say something longer form but I think yeah that's a I think it's a really fun technique and actually it works for other languages too also, oh, before we forget, what social handles can people follow you at? Oh, yes, my socials. Uh, you can follow me if you just go to my main website, uh, prolo.com, P-E-A-R-L-L-O-W.com. You can see all my links with my socials there and uh, my portfolio as well with my org. Thank you so much, Pearl, for sort of sharing your your thoughts and your experiences today. Um, I think they were just incredibly illuminating and I'm really excited uh, to see sort of what you're going to be doing in the future, both in terms of sort of further sharing your experiences and learning Cantonese, but also what sort of artwork um, it might inspire. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah, 以後可能會多啲用廣東話嘅部分啦,喺你喺你畫嘅卡通啊,你嘅畫啊裡面啦咁樣,所以呢個都係一個好重要嘅資源嚟嘅。Thank you so much for having me. I think this is my first time uh being interviewed on a podcast for Cantonese and my relationship to it and how I feel about it. So this is very exciting for me and thank you um again for just like letting me just talk about my resources too. I feel like I went on a tangent. I was like, oh, I have a few recommendations. <laughs> Let me talk about all of them. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also very excited um, to see how I can incorporate my my language learning journey with uh, with art and again, just to kind of widen the impact because I, I think Cantonese really deserves um, a lot. It deserves everything. <laughs> so uh, I hope more people get into it. <laughs> 記得點贊、訂閱並同身邊對粵語有興趣的朋友分享本節目。As always, we welcome your questions and suggestions. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe, and please share with any friends who are interested in Cantonese.